Father, thank you that you have provided for us so richly. Um, 24 hours ago, I walked amongst a people who live in cardboard, and many of them are the happiest person. I went into one old woman's home who had the same circumstances as everybody else who I had met, and many of them were down. And I walked into this woman's house, and she was so happy. And I said, why are you so happy? And she said, because I have a living God in my heart. And so, Lord, as we give back, may we know the joy of having a living God in our heart. And Father, help us to work with you in building the kingdom in this place so that many would come to know that the, all that they see is not all that there is. In the great name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, so the guys are going to come and, and take the offering and, uh, and throw your connection cards in there. Uh, I got back uh, late last night, and one of the things that has given me great comfort is that I knew we had a uh, friend of mine and a special, uh, special speaker, and what's a guy that I think is becoming a special friend to all of us um, that is going to share with us this morning, uh, David Jansen. David is, um, for lack of a better word, David's my boss, so... Uh, I'd prefer if you would only say nice things to him when you're leaving uh, later on today. Uh, and David is the real deal. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Uh, most of the guys that uh, you get to do fill-in stuff in churches, you know, they show up and, you know, I always get you folks at the end that come out and go, you should never let that guy talk again because he's much better than you are. And, uh, and a lot of times that's because these guys, you know, and I would do the same thing, right? They come and they have the go-to sermon, right? Like, this is my grand slam, man. I'm going to come up there. I don't need to look at a note. I don't need anything because this is, I've just preached this one a thousand times. So I emailed David uh, and said, hey, you know, we're in this summer series called Conversations. And we're trying to learn from Jesus, not just theology, not just what he might have taught in the temple, but just like you would know me better if you saw me on the streets or saw me at home and didn't just see me in the church, what can we learn about Jesus and how he dealt with people in conversation and on the streets and with real people? So I said, David, you know, if you want, you could do one of these, but I would understand you probably have something you want to speak about. And he emailed me back. He said, no, I'm, you know, I'm in. I'm part of what you're doing. I'm excited about it, and uh, I'm going to keep the series going with conversations. So uh, he is one of the nicest people I've ever met. I keep trying to find something that's wrong with him, and then he showed up and, and was dressed a lot nicer than me today, too. So uh, would you welcome my friend, my boss, our friend, David Jansen. He's going to share with us this morning. It's a joy to be here. Uh, my wife, Janine, if you don't know Janine, she's right here. And uh, man... It's so exciting what you all are doing in Guatemala. And the team's going down, three teams, many people, John, that, that aren't from uh, the community right here. That was just so, so amazing. But I love this series. I love this series on conversations. And uh, I, I wanted to do something, fill in with that, and move in that direction. And it, it took me right to an exciting little piece in there that really spoke to me. I, I like vacation. Do you like vacation? I know some people are on vacation and some people are, are down in uh, Guatemala and some of you are heading down to Guatemala for the third trip, but I don't know if I ever really get a vacation if I'm kind of walking with this person named Jesus. Because even though I, I try to, to be alone and to get alone, what, what kind of happens is that it's as if he's got some kind of play going on and I meet somebody out there 
and I find out that even though I, I want to be alone, it doesn't really happen. I, I love my wife, Janine, because she speaks like wisdom into my life. So sometimes when we go on vacation, she looks at me and she goes, now, Dave, we don't have to get to know everybody on the beach. You know, and, and that's her wonderful way of just saying this is like time for us. But it doesn't really work out. And, and I don't know if that happens to you, but it's kind of conversations. And so this morning, where, where I got drawn in the word was, was to a little place that we find in, in the book of Matthew where our Lord and actually the disciples are on vacation. And so if you read with me, it's in, uh, we find out in the book of Matthew, there's a little section on it's chapter 15, for those of you who want to look at it, or it's going to be up here in a little bit. And, and I want to read that at first, in verse, verse 21, and, and I want you to think of vacation. And so this is what we read, and I want you to look for the summer conversation in the middle of it. And leaving that place, Jesus withdrew, that's the word, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. He withdrew to this place called Tyre and Sidon, and... That would be one of those little cards or an album by Bruce Springsteen that said, greetings from not Asbury Park. That's where I kind of grew up near there. But greetings from Tyre and Sidon. It was like right on the coast. One of those two towns was like a little island, like 100 yards off. It was like a seaside resort. It was like everything going for it. It had great food. It had great culture. You had all those Lebanon cedars that were up there. And Tyre and Sidon was actually right up way in the north part of, of the place, the north part of the land. It was about as far as you could go and potentially be in the land of promise, the land of honey, all that good stuff that God had. But it, it never really got there. Tyre and Sidon never really got accomplished in the things of God. It was like a resort place that you'd go to if you really wanted to withdraw. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I think if I was one of the disciples, I would have been like pumped up about that because it's a cool place. And it's a place where you wouldn't really know anybody because you're way far away. And, and I love the idea, think about this, that Jesus withdrew. Like today we kind of call it vacation, or maybe we call it a rhythm. Vacation's really important for us. Rest is really important for us because we really can't burn the candle on, on both ends. And so there's a time when you're busy and there's a time of rest. Think about it. There's like daytime, there's nighttime, there's a day of rest and there's days of work. And this is one of the rhythms. That, and actually, Jesus was a guy that, that brought his team to a place of rest. So they were all excited and they went up to Tyre and Sidon and I'm sure they had all the stuff they could get ready. There's no boardwalk there like down at the Jersey Shore, but it was really a cool place and they were going to get away and they had to get away because all the crowds were pressing in on them. But then we read that it's kind of like a, a vacation that we all kind of have. You go on vacation and you think you're going to be alone and you say, this is it, I got my book. Nothing's going to be happening except the beach, the lotion, the cruise, the wherever we're going, the timeshare. And then suddenly you find out it's as if God had something already set up and you just walked right into it. I don't know if you ever want to be totally alone. I remember a time when I had just come to know this Jesus and, and I was like in the New York Port Authority bus station going off to see Janine a number of years ago. 
at like 2 in the morning. I don't know if you've ever been in Port Authority at 2 in the morning. Not really a place you want to make tremendous amounts of connections with. And, and so I'm sitting there at 2 in the morning, and, 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 I, and I had back then, we didn't have like, you know, all the devices. I had my Bible, and I was like, I know how to keep people away from me. <laughs> so no fooling, I, I put my Bible out about 8 inches eight inches in front of me and sat down by a pillar. I figured that was it. And what do you know, this guy sort of comes up to me, kind of careening a little bit, and he looks at me, he goes, hey, what's up? And I'm like, wanted to say, don't you see my Bible? Doesn't this give enough barrier? And he was so inebriated, he couldn't see the Bible, you know? And so I, I went to my next deepest thing, and I just came out of my mouth and said, you're running away from God, and he knows it. I figured that would do it. And he goes, whoa, that's heavy. <laughs> and he sat himself down. And I went, no, I'm like stuck with this guy. Talk about being unapproachable. I'm like stuck with this guy. And, 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 and he says, tell me more. And I start talking to him and I'm talking to him. And hours later, so I got to buy him breakfast. I bought him breakfast. I, I brought him down to a church. And, you know, it was a really cool adventure for me, John, because I, I didn't have any money. I just... I had my ticket to state college, and, and I had just enough money to get two subway tokens and take this guy to Brooklyn to a church that I knew would hang in there and take care of him. And so I got down to Brooklyn. I had not a penny in my pocket, John. And I'm like, okay, what do I do now? And no fooling, this elder at the church walks up, and he gives me a $5 bill. I didn't even ask. He said, I bet you might need this. And gave it to me. And do you know what a lesson that was for me? I'm like, God really does take care of you. But, but here I am trying to be totally unapproachable. And it didn't work. Because God had something going on. And I find in life that that happens when you're on vacation. And, and it happened to Jesus. He's alone out there. Disciples are there. They're kicking back. I don't know the exact spot they were at. But what we read here is this is kind of what happens. He withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon, and a Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, going wild, not calm, not a little whisper, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession, and all of a sudden, you've got this woman right there in front of you. She's kind of screaming. I don't even know how she knew it was Jesus, but she knew he was Lord, and she had a huge need in her life, and she entered into a conversation, a vacation conversation, a vacation that really got in the way, so to speak, from what maybe everybody, the disciples, wanted to see happen, Canaanite. You know, I, I have a feeling disciples were sort of saying, you know, Canaanites can really ruin your vacation. They were people that Israel wanted nothing to do with. If you spell the word Canaanite and you, you had to put a nickname in front of it, it would be the guys who brought us all into idolatry. If they had a statue, they wanted you to worship it. They had stuff all over the place. And they were the ones that really got the children of God, into a lot of messes. Canaanites were not appreciated. And I'm sure the disciples are thinking, you know, if we go up there, we're going we're gonna to be meeting people that are kind of outsiders and 
Everybody thinks they're outsiders, and here comes one. And so this day of vacation kind of gets jumbled around because suddenly here comes a woman with a huge need in her life. Yeah, that would be a need, wouldn't it? My daughter is suffering terribly, and she's demon-possessed. I don't even know what that looks like, but I have a feeling she was not invited to all of the gatherings in the neighborhood. I have a feeling it was difficult to go to the market. I have a feeling it was really difficult to have her extended family there. I imagine this absolutely not only was ruining the girl's life, whatever that looked like, but totally destroying her life. And here's this Jesus on vacation with the disciples who went there, wham, to the northern part of the land to get refreshed. And Jesus gets like totally interrupted. But as he enters a conversation, we start to look a little bit. And what we find in here is that as it began to happen, an interesting thing that, you know, John, I never really unpacked till I saw it today. And I think there's a piece in here for us. A Canaanite woman came from that vicinity crying out, Lord, son of David. She knew who he was. Have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Jesus did not answer her a word. Wow. That doesn't sound like a conversation to me. But as that silence was happening, what was going on is it allowed the disciples to come up. And this is what they said with all the approachability and having been discipled by the master. Send her away. Get rid of her. She's an outsider. Canaanites ruined vacations. We were doing all this demon stuff back then. And look, we need a break. And so they said, Jesus, if you're doing anything, just send her away. She keeps crying out after us. Well, I'd be crying out too. So, so let's just stop for a moment and, and ask ourselves, why didn't Jesus say anything? Why didn't he respond at that moment into that conversation? But instead, there was silence. Do you ever notice that silence really makes us feel awkward? We don't like silence, especially in the West. In the West, we fill every silent moment with noise if we can. Not always true in other, in other cultures, but, but in art, in, in music, appreciate the worship team. In so much of culture, we, we try to fill anything empty with space, but that, that's not always true like in, in I said a little bit of this in Asia, that, that space is as important as substance. So now we're looking at really an Eastern culture with silence, and we look at that as saying, Jesus should have said something immediately. But silence is actually a very powerful piece. It's not a negative. It's not a negation. It's a positive because something's about to happen. And, and today, I, I think for some of us, we often find or feel that God has really gone silent on us. You, you ever feel that way? Like I, I've prayed and suddenly there's like silence. Or I'm trying to get that occupational change. And there's silence. Or I'm hoping that my neighbors would figure out 
what, what this God thing is all about, and, and it is like silence, or, or you need direction. There's a, a fork in the road coming. Silence is a cool thing. It's not a negative. It's not a negation. Because what that did at that moment was allow the disciples to come forward and show their cards and speak it out. And their heart at that moment was, even though they'd been disciples for so long, at that moment, they just didn't want to deal with her. Do you ever feel like people don't want to deal with you? Do you ever feel like an outsider? Do you ever feel like you don't quite fit into what everybody else fits into, even though everybody else kind of feels that way as well? Well, she felt like an outsider, and she was labeled as an outsider. But she kind of had the guts to go up. Because she had looked for everything. Culture couldn't help her. All the idols couldn't help her. A real spirituality could help her. And she knew that this Jesus had it. And somehow she got through the, the outer perimeter of these disciples. Maybe they had their little ways of trying to keep people away because they wanted to be on vacation like we want to be on vacation. It didn't work. She got to Jesus. And, and she said this, I have a huge need. I'm not going to smoke over it. I, I'm not going to fluff it. I'm going to tell you what is really happening, Jesus. My life is a mess. I can't think straight. There are no social services. I don't know what's happening to my daughter, but we can't keep living like this. You know, there are times when that's, that's very real. I won't give you the, the person's name, but I wasn't even going to talk about this, but a friend of our family had a kind of a, a child that was really, really difficult in their first years, had some genetic issues, and uh, this guy was just about ready to, to lose it, ready to just end his life and all the pain and all the misery. You know, John, he wasn't even a believer. And... Somebody sat down and said, I know someone who will talk to you. In fact, he doesn't even have to talk to you. All you have to do is just write your name down, and he's going to pray. <laughs> the guy in New York City, that's all I can say. And the most amazing thing kind of happened. As he wrote down the honesty of that need, that child stopped the 24-hour inability to function in life and that family is alive today and very good friends of mine and so I think that we're hearing from this conversation with Jesus even on vacation is when we're open and have the vulnerability to share with this Jesus what's really going on in our life he's not afraid of that kind of conversation He's not afraid to enter into the reality of what really goes on in our lives. We don't we try to hide it. Don't we always say, you know, you know, we're just doing great and we're not. We feel kind of empty in our soul, but who do we tell? We don't want Jesus to know that even though he knows it, but we, you know, we, maybe we don't like ourselves. Maybe, maybe deep down we, we really kind of hate ourselves. We hate our situation. And, and what goes on is all this other stuff. And you sit there and say, does Jesus really care? Can I enter into a conversation with him about really what is happening? 
And I think from, from this, we hear, yeah. As he allows this woman to come, the silence piece. Silence isn't bad. You look up at the stars in the summer, at night, and they're silent, but with such power. And the rustling of the trees, and the flowers that sway in the breeze, and the sound of a bird, and all these wonderful things are part of what he created for us to enjoy and to understand how cool and how wonderful he is. But, but I, I fill my world with, with devices. I, I don't know what to do in a moment where there isn't noise. I, I, I need to turn it off sometimes. Get into that quiet place. This woman comes and she's honest with Jesus. And so the disciples want to send her away. And, and as we go to the next slide, what we find out here is all of a sudden, Jesus begins to add input, like add value extra into that conversation. And, and this is what he says. He, he just looks at her and he says, I, I was really only sent to the lost children of Israel. Now, that, that wasn't pushing her away. In fact, it makes me wonder because that region of Tyre and Sidon was supposed to be within the land of milk and honey of the 12 tribes, but they never actually occupied that because they were so filled with fear that that place should have been in that land of milk and honey. Who knows what her background was? She's called here a Canaanite, but who knows what her way back kind of ancestry was. But he gives value added by giving her insight. He had to do that for this reason. He had all these disciples there. They were already pushing people away. The Gentiles, I was one of those, were wild back then. And so I think Jesus sat down with his disciples and he said, look, we're only going to the, the lost house of Israel because that's what all the prophecy says. And number two, if we give all this to the Gentiles now, they're going to go off and start all this crazy stuff all over the world. So we're going to go, I'm going to go to the cross, the Holy Spirit's going to come down, change people's lives, and then we can go. But then here's this woman that's an outsider who's a Canaanite who's a Gentile. And he gives her some value added saying, here's the deal, this is who I am. And then he begins to talk to her. You know, when, when you go to God with the honesty of your soul, I, I don't know if you, I try to be practical in my Christian life and, and just sharing. When you get practical like that and you get gut real with God, he does not remain silent too long. What happened when you were a kid? What happened in high school? Addiction stuff, self-hatred stuff, feeling like you're an outsider, feeling like no one understands and probably not God because he's God. When actually the reverse is true. He does understand and he does care. And he's known you before you knew you. And he loves you. And so he tells this woman about what the deal is and then he steps back, and the woman then kneels before him in this vacation, and she just looks down and says, Lord, help me. Help me. Do you ever go to God and just say, Lord, help me? I'm a mess. 
And the Lord starts to speak to her, entering into the dialogue. And she goes deeper into this. And she begins to call him Lord again the second time. And, and, and then he, he t- gives a value-added statement. And, and he lets her know about something called bread. He, he says to her, you know, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. So he's going to get this picture of, of bread. And, and his picture of dogs. We were around two crazy dogs last night. These like massive bulldogs that were like rescue bulldogs. And so they're all kind of like still struggling a little bit. You know, and, and if you give them a little something to eat, they, they don't always know where the food is in your hand is. And, and bulldogs have the most amount of slobber I've ever seen. You know, so this dog's like right here. We're having homemade ice cream. It's vacation. It's National Ice Cream Day. And, and, and here, and here, this dog, and he's like slobbering all over my pants. And I'm like giving him just the, the tiniest little lick of ice cream. And he doesn't know my finger from the ice cream. And, and my, my hand's a mess. But I'm thinking there's a big difference between the bowl of ice cream that's right there in front of me and this little lick. Well, they didn't have ice cream at the shore back then. So Jesus talks about bread. He said there's, there's a, a huge difference between bread and between little crumbs. And he said it, it's just not right to, to give the children's bread, you know, and just scoot it out to, to, to animals that are, that are kind of flying around. He didn't call it an animal. He's just saying there's a difference because it's now the, the children of Israel. There's bread for the children of Israel. Catch that. Put that on a burner. We're coming back to that. And then she returns that statement and she says this. Yes. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. So I, I'd almost say, yes, even those big wild bulldogs will lick ice cream off my finger from the homemade ice cream on the table. Because it tastes really, really good. And then Jesus looks at her and he says this beautiful conversation statement. He says, woman, you've got great faith. Wait a second, you're a Canaanite. You ruined vacations. Wait a second, you're a Canaanite. You led us into idolatry. Wait, you are a person who is seen by so many as an outsider, whatever that is. And now this Jesus is saying, you've got amazing, cool, great faith. And then he says to her this, and it changes the trajectory of her whole life. She says, your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Now, how'd they know that? I bet the disciples said, hey, let's go check on the daughter. Let's go, let's go check on that. And she was healed. I'm like, what does this story begin to tell us? It tells us of the mercy of God. It tells us of the approachability of Jesus It tells us he wants to enter into conversations with us. It tells us that when those conversations are gut level real, my daughter is a mess. My life has fallen apart. Her life hasn't even gotten started. And you press in no matter what others may think about you. And you just get gut real with Jesus. He does something about it. And, and, And he healed her. He changed the total trajectory of that life. And did you know that Tyre and Sidon, these places that are down at the shore, they became a hotbed 
of believers in the next years and in the next generations. And so there was something that he saw and allowed even on vacation to, to kind of be disturbed and, and to kind of walk into that. Wow. Did you know that God has been planning for you to know him since before you were born? Because he knows how many hairs you have on your head. He knows the amount of your days. He put people in your life. Janine came to know Christ in Nantucket at the shore. I came to know him in Asbury Park at the shore. Even on vacation, things go on. That's why we never really have a total vacation where we may plan to be totally alone, but have you ever noticed you meet people and it's as if God set it up? Yeah, he did. And a great moment of approachability number two, Janine and I went to South Carolina, to Outer Banks. We're driving, it was like 1,200 hours, and, uh, you know, and, and, and there's like a big open strip mall somewhere, and like, there's a strip mall the car just weaves in there. And, and, and so I'm, I'm reading a book, as at that time I wasn't driving, and I'm reading this book on how to hear and follow the voice of God. Sounds really spiritual, doesn't it? You know, I'm like, yeah, this is a good book. So I, I'm reading this book. I'm almost finished with it. And then we pull out to the mall and book down, 45 minutes. Janine's going to do some shopping. I'll be looking around some things. And the book's in the car, and I'm out walking around because they went they went to a, a, like a shop because sister was having a baby or something. And uh, so I'm walking around, and and I walk right into this couple that have I think a baby that's about a week old, like right in front of me. And it was as if the Lord said to me, "Well, you're a pastor. Why don't you go to that couple? I don't usually do this." Go to that couple and ask them if, if you can dedicate their baby to the Lord, to me. And I went, no, <laughs> no, you don't understand, Lord. I don't know everybody here in South Carolina. I'm on vacation. So the whole thing is left in the car. And, and as they walked by with this little baby, I felt so bad. Not, not this guilt that the Lord puts on you, but I, I just knew I'm reading this book on, on how to hear and to follow the voice of God. And then it kind of happens, but it, you know, it wasn't like, hey, Dave, go get an ice cream. Okay, Lord, I'll do that. You know, or, or you know, Dave, you really need those new pair of pants. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or those, those sneakers, those awesome sneakers. Go and get the sneakers. You know, I, I didn't hear that. I heard, hey, why don't you just go up to this couple and, and pray for them, dedicate their, their baby to, to me. So I was feeling like, why do I read this book and I'm on vacation? Because I am on vacation. But vacation isn't really vacation because the Lord uses it to put plays in order. I didn't feel too good. I felt like I really kind of let him down. I know he forgives me for that, but I just kind of felt a little challenged. So I'm walking around the mall waiting for the time. And I knew I had to meet Janine at the store. So I went down to the store. She's getting, a, getting something for her sister who's pregnant. And, and so I, I walk into this, right to the, right into the entrance of this, Janine can testify this, right into the entrance of the store, and as I'm going for the door, guess who's there coming out? The couple with the baby. 
They are as close as you guys are to me. In fact, move it in half. And I'm like stuck right in front of them. And I'd already like blown it the first time. And now a half hour later, it's not like God, he sort of gives you another chance. And, and I, I walk up and I go, okay. I said, hi, my name's Dave Jansen. I'm a pastor and you've got a great little baby. I'd love to dedicate that baby to the Lord. Is that okay? Sure. And, and suddenly, I've got this little baby in my hands. And the cutest little baby you'd ever seen. And just right there at the entrance of the store, I just prayed a prayer dedication that that little baby would grow up, know him at a real early age, and be used in, in her generation. And uh, I gave the baby back, and the husband said this, whoa. He goes, you know, my mom works in this store, and she's one of you. And I'm going to go tell her what just happened to here because she's going to be amazed. And I'm thinking, wow, I didn't even know that there's a mom praying for her son-in-law and the daughter and the little baby. Maybe that people would come into their life and something cool would happen. And I sort of wound up in the middle of it, though I was on vacation, entered into a conversation. I'm from North they're from south, but all of that made no difference because nobody's an outsider, and God had a stunt on, and it spoke to their entire family. And I almost blew it. And so that's why I say sometimes on vacations, we meet people who God has already set it up to have happen. Now, now what do we learn from this? If I go to the last slides, uh, you're going to see two slides at the end that sort of have kind of a takeaway for me of, of what this kind of looks like. So let me share, what do we learn about Jesus in this conversation? What do you learn about Jesus in this conversation? Well, I learned these kind of things. I learned that there is no such thing as an outsider in God. Am I right? I learned that you're not an outsider and I'm not an outsider. I learned that he's approachable. And even though people may not understand me, I can approach him because he loves me and has known me before I even knew me. I learned in the middle of this that I can come to him with the absolute reality of what's hurting in my gut. You know, he, he doesn't need the fluff. He doesn't need the pretend. He doesn't need this, this kind of cake batter of, of just superficiality. You can tell him. And I can tell him. If I'm afraid of death, I can tell him. If I'm struggling in faith, believing, I can tell him. If I'm mad, I can tell him. And, and then I find out that he can give value added into it. And suddenly, I know some things that I didn't know before about the situation because I took the time to go to him. So, well, you, I hear people say, you know, he's so busy in Guatemala. Why would I bother him for something at work here in Mendham? You know, he, he's not like a computer with heavy traffic and suddenly everything gets slow. He hears all of you all the time as well as all of me all of the time and everybody else. He is just that absolutely cool. And so when we go to him, 
You're not bothering him. You're not bothering him on vacation. And when you press in and press in and seek him, sometimes you'll find an awkward silence. And that awkward silence should not be equated in our life with his non-desire to be with us. He doesn't yak all the time. There's something about God I think it's so important to know is God in his word says that he hides himself. As I mentioned, I think I said it here, he doesn't write on the moon with his finger. I thought it'd be a great idea. Hi, it's me, Jesus. Because people would try to disprove that anyway. Disprove it all. It's conspiracy theory. Christians somehow developed this. And so he kind of is very, very subtle in what he does. A friend of mine who was in NA, Narcotics Anonymous, said to me the most theological statement I've heard probably in 30 years. He said, David, I follow a higher power who makes miracles look like coincidences. And then he tells people, don't tell anybody I did this. That's Jesus. Don't tell anybody I did this. This looks like a coincidence. It's a miracle. I did it that way. No need to be like downtown Times Square. He's very subtle. And so even when there's silence, it is not because he cares not. It's because it's a pregnant silence. Kind of like Selah in the Proverbs and something, excuse me, in the Psalms. And something is about to happen. So keep listening. I find out, lastly, as I close, that if a little crumb can totally change the trajectory of a mother and a daughter's life, how much does that whole loaf of bread do for us? Just a little crumb gave her everything she needed. And yet that whole bread, that whole loaf is celebrated by the master as the children's bread. Guess what? You can be a child of God. You are a child of God. You're a daughter of God. You're a son of God. He loves you. Always has. Never won't. He doesn't push people away. Even the physical when he was on vacation, even though other people would push people away, he's not going to push you away. Because he's got that loaf of bread. And he says, it's yours. It all belongs to you. It will never diminish. It can never be extinguished. It can never be eaten apart so that it doesn't exist anymore. Like the miracle of the loaves and the bread. He knows how to bring that whole loaf to you. So, in a conversation with Jesus, that's what I learned at the shore. Let's go to him, right? And so we leave Tyre and Sidon. We leave that beach scene so many, many years ago. And fast forward to Mendham on National Ice Cream Day. When some of us are going on vacation, some of us came back from vacation. Some of us just need to go talk to God because he loves us so much. You know, he's been waiting to talk to you. 
and to me about the stuff that's really in here. You can take us up on it. Let's do it. God bless you.